Good morning, everyone. We'll be in Luke chapter 1 uh, this morning in our time together in God's Word. It's been great to sing uh, with you and to be with you. And um, it's always good to see the talent and the gifts that God has bestowed upon this congregation. Um, and uh, such, such uh, very, very much so, uh, especially when you consider all the people that are involved. Um, and so it's always good to see that come together on Sunday morning and the thoughts and things that other people are going through. And, and I think that's one of the nice benefits, I'm sure intended benefits, of gathering together and having this fellowship and to know one another and to love each other and all of the good stuff that goes along with that. Uh, in Luke chapter 1 is where we'll be this morning with most of our time as we uh, begin to discuss and talk about and march our way, of course, through uh, the holiday season. Uh, of course, we as believers, as Christians, believe uh, tis the season year-round uh, to talk about uh, the importance, the greatness, the blessing. I mean, we just sit here and list off words and uh, of things that uh, Jesus has done for us and where we've seen Him in our life and uh, probably have uh, forgotten as well. And so to reminisce and to think about those things uh, for some reason whatever it was this week our kids have wanted to hear stories you know what was it like when we were babies and uh, of course uh, the stories abound and the mom came to town she had plenty of her own so we've sat around a couple of times this week and and drank hot chocolate and reminisced about life itself and you know the older i get the more uh, the things of life that seem inconvenient are really what gives it meaning. Uh, the things that at the time we probably thought, man, that was a pain. I wish that had not happened. Uh, and we may still feel that way, but there is value and purpose. Uh, one of the things that I continue to learn from Scripture and, and that the Holy Spirit is working on me is that that really is what sets apart our ideology, our faith, our belief, is that everything that happens, there is a purpose, there is a value Whereas those who do not have belief uh, have to question that. You know, what's the value? Are we just space dust floating in our time and, and we flash across the screen and it's over? Or is there a purpose and meaning and value for the things that go on? And certainly in Luke chapter 1, uh, I always like when the writers of the letters come out and tell you the purpose of them writing. Uh, you know, there is so much that when we get an email or a text message or whatever, depending on the context of who it's sent to, we just know and it's inferred what it's about. And so a lot of these folks who wrote a letter, they knew and the people who received it knew. And so it makes it a lot difficult for us to dig deeper and go, okay, what is the reasoning behind this? So I always appreciate when the writer of the letter, or the writer of the book goes, hey, I've written this so that, right? John does that for us in the Gospels, and Luke does his here in verse 3. Uh, we'll, we'll pick up there. Um, it, it's seeming fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning, to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus. Once again, thank you, Luke, consecutive order. That's awesome. So that you may know the exact truth is what it says there. What an um, interesting phrase, right? The exact truth that we have value and meaning in this world for, right? I want the basics. I do remember vaguely uh, watching the news 
and getting the exact truth as best possible without spin and without extra, right? Uh, I remember that vaguely. Not very long was I alive when that changed. Of course, everybody brings their bias and, and their agenda to what they say. I have a bias and agenda today, and that is to help, hopefully, uh, in the purest form, uh, nudge us all a little closer to the image of Jesus, the exact truth about the things you have been taught. Now, I want you to think about how much of the biblical narrative, and especially in the Gospels, is an inconvenience in today's terminology. This is inconvenient. Uh, we live in an age of convenience to the point that the very slightest inconvenience is world-shattering to us. I want you to think about in history, and I'm sure there are aspects where having a child is inconvenient in history and, and unfortunate in even some ways, but even then I think there was a higher value on it, that it is totally worth all of the emotional pain, right? As, as a person who is fostered and adopted, it, it doesn't change. I can only imagine someone that is biologically your heart out walking around, right? I, I do take time from t with teenagers from time to time and go, I want you to realize like your, your parent's heart who has literally become flesh and is walking around with the ability to make decisions that will negatively or positively impact another human being, right? And there's an awareness to that that is so valuable that I myself am still working on, right? That it is not about me. I was talking to Jim outside right before we came in. I was like, you know, when I was growing up, so much of youth ministry was about me. And so I spent the first 18 years thinking that it's about me. And if my needs aren't met, then I should go find somewhere else. And nothing could be farther from the truth of, of a Christian walk. And then all of a sudden you get to be 18, 19 years old and you start to realize, hey, this thing is not about me. And the first decision that a lot of our young people are making is that if it's not about me, am I really, should I even be there? And of course, our answer would be yes. But many of them are coming to the conclusion that no, if it is not about me. And so there's a service aspect that we miss. And here at the school, right, it's very easy to turn it into a private education. And it's not a service-oriented. It's not a Christian-oriented idea. And all of Christianity is about serving one another and really sacrificing oneself. And so I can't imagine, you know, if you read this story, we'll, we'll pick up here uh, looking at verse 26, the inconvenience of Jesus here, right? Of this, this is not the plan, right? How many discussions, right? And, and Mary says, how is this supposed to happen? And, I, and I, I take a lot of value in that. Like, there's not a question of if it's going to happen, how is it going to happen? Where my response would have been, this is really inconvenient. And I'm sure that Joseph may have felt that. Like, this is inconvenient. This is an issue. This is a problem. Everyone who sees this is going to assume, and 99% of the time, they would be correct, maybe even a higher percentage, that something nefarious has happened here, one way or the other. And of course, being a man, I assume, it probably reflected poorly on him. 
and everyone involved. This is inconvenient. If this were the story told today, I, I think that a large portion of our society today, that's just inconvenient and not a good time. Right? <laughs> and then the question comes, when is it a good time? When is it a good time? And if that's the case, if, if God waited for a good time on our terms, he would wait forever. Because very rarely is it time, yes, Lord, now I would like to be sacrificial. Sign me up for that. But the Lord's timing is perfect, thankfully. In verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one! Exclamation mark. Uh, which is a preferred statement from the angel of the Lord. I'm just going to tell you, if you want to read some other stories where the angel of the Lord showed up and things didn't go so well, uh, or even a response from the human being, right, it was not very great. But, oh, favored one, which is what you want to hear from the angel, the Lord is with you. I think you want to hear it. Maybe the Lord is with you. That's great in verse 29. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Amen, Mary. Because if you've read any of the text or ever heard it preached, you know something is coming up behind this statement that will either make you or break you, right? Then throw in the fact that it's a woman, right? And, and 15, uh, I say 15, uh, we, we look at different ages, right? We, we look at this and we go, yeah, what's coming next? Batten down the hatches. Buckle the seatbelt. Grab onto the handles. Because here we go. What is going on here? And this is just the first of a circumstance that most of us in the coming of the salvation of the world is not going to choose this path. And I think that's not by coincidence. This is not the story that you're going to tell to bring about salvation, which is a recurring theme in Scripture. Like, you think it should be this way? It oftentimes seems like God's like, oh, you think it should be this way? Let's try the opposite approach. See how that works out. Of course, we know the engine behind this. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great, and we call the Son of the Most High... And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Well, then you get the answer. Right? It's like we, you ever ask God a question, and you got the answer, and you're like, I wish I had not answered the, asked the question. Because I don't know that this clears it up very much. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. Now, I think the how can this happen is a two-part question. There's like physically, how is this going to happen? And then there's the, how did you choose me? Because I want you to think about what he just unpacked, right? He, in a few sentences, said... The fulfillment of 
your people's purpose for existing is going to come fulfillment in you. Why me, right? Usually the question when bad things happen to us is why me? But a lot of times in Scripture, the question comes after, and maybe based on your perspective, the good thing that God wants to accomplish through you is the inconvenient thing. I think of uh, Gideon, right? Oh, valiant warrior. Do I really want to do this? Not really. Do I have a choice? Nope. Jonah, go to the Ninevites. But I hate those guys. I want to run from God. And that's laughable. And to some degree, I think it's supposed to be. Run from God? And so that's the inconvenience, but, you know, how's this going to happen? And what's this going to look like? How does it work? All questions that 2,000 plus years later, we're still asking. How does this work? Just know that it's going to. She was called barren and now her six months talking about Elizabeth. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Fairly good knowledge of what this entails if you've kept up with the scriptures. Whatever it says in your word, may it be done to me. And may we respond the same way. And I'll be honest. No. I very rarely responded in the same way. Especially when I read something I don't like. Lord, may it be done unto me as it is in your word. You are about to be a part and a major player in the fulfillment of all of your people's prophecy. I've chosen you. So then in one aspect, you won't get the credit you deserve. Right? That tends to be our traditional background. Like, oh, there's nothing special about her. Well, why? Well, because the Catholics think she's great. Is that really a great response? I don't know how many times, and maybe we can do this as a study, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Oh, favored one. How many times? Like, that's rare air, folks. It's never happened to me. To be honest, I, I'm okay with it not. I like right where I'm at in this story. It'll leave me right where I'm at. Because I'm pretty happy because it's convenient. Now at this time, Mary Rose went in a hurry to the hill country to the city of Judah, I bet. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. She cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. There's that word fulfillment, right? There's the Holy Spirit indwelling these people. And what we're about to get is the, basically the retelling of Hannah's story in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. And the response that she has in receiving this child in that uh, the, the priest goes, Are you drunk? Right? I think the kids say lit. Are they used to? I don't know. Tom's not in here. Maybe you he could help me out with that. But the assumption here is that she is lit in her response in pleading to the Lord that he would give her this... I don't know, Daisy, they say that anymore? Okay, all right. She's waving me off. Okay. And so 
there's this aspect, and, and we see this play out again. Right? Here's these two women filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a, is a down payment of what we're going to see in Acts chapter 2, right? Look, think about that. Luke writes Luke 1, or Luke, the Gospel of Luke, and then he writes Acts as the follow-up. It's the sequel. And so we see this mimicking, this imagery that we see in these two women. I'm not recalling whether Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit or not, but at least two out of the three that we see here are these women. And, and what do they do? They praise God in the face of what many people today would look at and go, that's inconvenient. I think about our worship sometimes, right? There are times we come to, it's just inconvenient today. I'd rather be anywhere else. And then we get here, and somehow the trigger gets flipped, and it's like, man, am I glad I'm here. And so we see this play out here with the Holy Spirit. And I don't want us to miss that. In verse 46, and Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. That doesn't sound very inconvenient. It's the response that she has to what, again, many would look at and go, that's inconvenient. And I think to some degree we as men bear a burden to that, that we have turned that into an inconvenience. And really, it's the most miracle thing that happens every single day. Every breath that we take is a miracle. Every sound and inconvenience that hits us, if we really looked at it and realized that we've been given a gift. And I know life is hard, and I'm not passing that up. But once again, I go back to the fact that even hardships have a purpose. Because at the end of the day, those things make us realize what we really have and how precious those things are. How can Jesus look at a child and say it's worse to be, than, than to be, have a millstone tied around your head and thrown into a body of water and drown than to stand before a holy God and offend a little one? How can he say that? Well, he was one. I don't think it was, was it Ronald Reagan that said he noticed everyone that is pro-abortion was born and got an opportunity to live. And we talk about people who don't get a voice and don't get a say and don't get an opportunity. And I think it's because he knows the realization of life and its difficulties and it's filled with them. But so much of my job is spent helping young people learn their limitations and how great and how that reflects how awesome God is. For He has had regard for the humble state of His bond slave. Behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. That word all there is a very important one. And it goes all the way back to Abraham. And we could do a whole lesson about how in this sermonette, this song, this psalm that she writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, by the way, if, we can, if I can say that. I know I can say that uh, because it's true. 
Going to have a hard time arguing with that. How she tells the story of the entire Old Testament. Because how many times does God show up and look at a humble person and go, oh, I'm going to use them to do big things that no one else sees in them. And I could have all the generations stand up in here and guess what? We can all say, this has been fulfilled in me. I have been blessed by Mary and her commitment and her decision to go, yeah, it's inconvenient, but it's worth it. Because we have a God, we have a Jesus who said, you know what? Travis Creasy can be so inconvenient. Like most of the time, like a large percentage of the time, Travis Creasy is very inconvenient and certainly to me, but he's worth it. He has a value. So we jump there to the end in verse 55. This is her accepting this role as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. Right? His remembrance of his mercy. To be able to stand back and inspired by the Holy Spirit say that I am the fulfillment of the promises made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you know that you can say the same thing, if you're a Christian today, you are living the fulfillment. The inconveniences, the beauty, the tragedy of life. Phil spoke to his friend who suffered well. And that's a calling that we're all called to. We live long enough, we will suffer well, or people will suffer because of our decisions. And I've lived long enough to where there are people who have absolutely suffered because of the decisions I've made and the stupidity and inconvenience I've been. But no one has suffered for that like Jesus. And so this morning as we think about the inconveniences of life and the difficulties, and you may be, as my cousin says, dealing with small t trauma, right? Like I couldn't get that one bit of hair to lay the way I wanted to, or I I just look disheveled and maybe, I, you know, things just aren't lining up. Or maybe you're in the midst of a storm. Just a gut-wrenching season. And this church has seen those, a lot of those, in the last 365. I want to think about the blessing it is to have a group of people who gather every Sunday and put our struggles on a list. And you're remembered throughout the week as you struggle. But I want you to understand this body is even above and beyond that calling. And we stand physically ready to assist you in however way that we can. And let me tell you, if you're not a Christian this morning, it's time. Right? This, this narrative that we read, this story, this blessing that Mary speaks of is for everyone. That everyone can participate. Everybody has a place in the narrative and the story of God. Regardless of your choice today, you're in the story. You're going to be used one way or the other to the glory of God. Why would you not receive the full blessing of it and to submit your life humbly in the same way that Mary did? As your word says, let it be done unto me. 
we can assist you in that journey and that commitment, we would love to do nothing more today than to honor God while you honor Him in your commitment to Him in a lifetime decision. If we can assist you in any way, we would love to do that as we stand and sing.